Hey there, it's Mitch here. And before we get into today's episode, our spring membership drive has officially sprung and we've got one heck of a giveaway. When you make a donation in any amount to Vermont Public by March 16th, you'll be entered to win a new roof valued up to $15,000 thanks to Vermont Construction Company. Your support makes everything we do possible. Make a gift today so we can keep bringing you the trustworthy, reliable news you count on day in and day out. To make your gift, head to vermontpublic.org donate. And thanks. From Vermont Public, this is The Frequency. I'm Mary Engish, filling in for Mitch Wortlieb. It's Tuesday, February 20th, and here are today's headlines. The Department of Forest, Parks, and Recreation has a draft plan for managing the Worcester Range for the next 20 years. And while about half of the central Vermont area will mostly be left untouched, FPR proposes timber harvest on about 10 percent of that land. Many Vermonters have written the state to implore them to ban logging there forever. Representative Larry Satkowitz of Randolph asked why the citizen intervention is needed. This seems like a really wonderful opportunity for us to maximize old forests in this one small part of the state, um, given the fact that it's publicly owned and it's a pretty large, relatively large contiguous area. Last week, FPR staff defended their proposal in the House Committee on Energy and Environment, saying the harvest will make the forest more climate resilient. Lawmakers in that committee last year sponsored a law to conserve 50 percent of Vermont's land by 2050, with some of that land seeing minimal human intervention. The planning for that is still underway, and some lawmakers were concerned that the draft management plan was proceeding before it is complete. A Ukrainian man last week pleaded guilty to his role in two cyber attacks, including one at the University of Vermont Medical Center. The man led two malware groups that infected thousands of computers with bad software, according to VT Digger. UVM Medical Center's president told Congress last year that the attack disrupted critical services for two weeks, creating a risk of serious harm or death for patients, and that the attack cost the hospital roughly $65 million. Vermonters and Mainers who didn't have enough to eat during the pandemic were able to improve their food security by growing and harvesting their own food. That's according to new research from the University of Vermont and University of Maine. Meredith Niles is an associate professor in nutrition and food systems at UVM and the paper's lead author. She says activities like gardening, hunting, fishing, trapping, foraging, and raising livestock can be overlooked when making food security policy. There aren't a lot of policies on the books that specifically think about home and wild food production. Um, So I do think it's a great opportunity. We finally have a peer-reviewed published study with data from our state at a large scale that clearly shows this has a difference in food security. Niall says the research shows people experiencing food insecurity are more likely to face barriers to growing and harvesting their own food, but they're also more likely to do those activities. An unusually warm winter brought out the mud early this year, causing disruptions across the state. In Duxbury, most roads are unpaved. Road foreman Brian Gibbs says his crew used most of its gravel to grade roads during a thaw in December, not expecting more until the end of the season. Now he's concerned about stretching that. 
we don't have much material left, and our budget doesn't start over till July, and we don't usually start getting material till September. So people are going to have to be patient and let us do what we can do with what we got. While Gibbs says they were able to fix most of Duxbury's roads this week before temperatures dropped again, they were hoping for snow to fill in some of the remaining ruts. He advised limiting travel on back roads where possible. Coming up, subsidized high-speed internet for thousands of Vermonters is at risk. That story after this. The Frequency is supported by MVP Healthcare, offering Medicare Advantage plans made for Vermont and guided by doctors. In partnership with the UVM Health Network. Info at uvmhealthadvantage.com. If Congress doesn't act, a $14 billion federal program that subsidizes high-speed Internet for low-income households will run out of money in April. As Vermont Public's Nina Keck reports, more than 25,000 Vermonters will be impacted, nearly half of whom are over 50 years old. Rutland resident Lori King lives in what she calls a hollow. So cell service down here is tough. The 77-year-old is a retired preschool teacher whose income qualified her for the Affordable Connectivity Program. King says it helped her get a new router and provides her with a $30 per month discount on her high-speed Internet bill. Nationally, one in six households participate in the program. Despite broad bipartisan support, Congress has been unable to agree on extending it, and funding runs out in April, which worries King. Without that Wi-Fi, I'm sunk. I don't have my landline anymore. So it's going to be a big deal, a big step backward. Christine Hallquist is executive director of Vermont's Community Broadband Board, which was created to help the state achieve universal high-speed Internet access. She says despite the federal program's success, it's unlikely state lawmakers will want to pick up the tab for it. If you look at the cost of the program, it would be $9.3 million to handle the people that are currently enrolled in the program. She says the price tag would balloon to $22 million if everyone who qualified participated. Even if the state did fund it, Hallquist says it would be impossible to get the program up and running by May. In Washington, a bipartisan group of lawmakers, including Senator Peter Welch, introduced legislation to extend the program's funding through the end of the year. Welch's office says there's a lot of urgency around it, but it remains in committee and would still be a temporary fix. Hawkwist says that means service providers will have to figure out what to do next, and she says disconnecting customers will be disruptive and costly. The incremental cost of carrying some of these low-income people is, is not that significant because once the network's there, you know, you've got you you you've built your business plan around revenue. So I would challenge the internet service providers to continue the program. Joel Shadle, a spokesperson for Comcast, wouldn't say how many of their Vermont customers benefit from the federal subsidy, but he says if the program is not extended, those customers will still have low-cost internet options, one as low as nine ninety-five a month. Our internet essentials program is going to be more than uh, enough for. Uh, for what you need um, to check your email, surf the web, do video conferencing or with your with friends or family or your your healthcare provider or your school. He says they'll also be introducing promotions for customers coming off the federal program. Krista Schute is executive director of NEK Broadband, which provides internet to towns in the Northeast Kingdom. 
It's one of 10 communications union districts in Vermont. They're nonprofit municipal organizations that provide Wi-Fi to hard-to-serve areas. A much smaller number of union district customers are enrolled in the federal program. Shute says if it's not renewed, NEK Broadband will reimburse their customers who take part with a $30 subsidy. And we've committed to do that for at least six months. Paige Hartzell works with Shute at NEK Broadband. Before enrollment was stopped, she helped low-income Vermonters apply for the Affordable Connectivity Program. She encourages anyone worried about losing their Internet to reach out to her or their local social services agency to share their story. Because that is really the thing that's going to move this issue, is the stories of how people have been able to get connected, how people have been able to stay in touch with family, how people have been able to take classes online, um, you know, start start businesses. Hartzell says she and Shute were in Philadelphia last week at a national conference, and the looming end of the federal program was the hot topic. Everybody is aware of the tidal wave that is coming if this if, if we don't get more funding and the impact it's going to have on people's lives. Allie DeVilliers heads Maple Broadband, which serves Addison County. She's also president of Vermont's Communications Union Districts Association. She says if lawmakers fail to extend the federal program, Maple Broadband will also offer its enrolled customers a $30 subsidy. But long term, she believes Vermont needs a more sustainable approach to ensure everyone has access to affordable high-speed Internet. DeVilliers says that's part of the digital equity planning work currently underway in the state. We don't have a plan right now, but we're aware that there's a problem and there's a lot of really smart people who are really motivated in solving it that are talking about it and trying to figure it out. But she admits that's not very helpful if you're worried you'll lose your broadband in April. For Vermont Public, I'm Nine Kack. Thanks for listening to The Frequency today. We had additional reporting from Abigail Giles, Elodie Reed, and Corey Doxer. Our executive producer is Kevin Trevelin, and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Mary Angish. Talk to you later. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.